0: the sughya of artificial insemination and RBF uh, and sughya that relate to uh, all types of assisted uh, reproduction. Uh, to begin with, we'll be focusing on, on two parts. One is assisted reproduction, which basically means that the, the, the sperm is injected into the, the woman um, into the fallopian tubes or wherever it is but it's a, almost like a direct uh, injection into the into the woman. Um, the more complicated case is IVF where basically the sperm is removed as well as one of the eggs or many eggs and basically are put in a test tube uh, of sorts and later on, the egg or the embryo is then re-implanted into the, into the woman. Um, is there a distinction between artificial insemination and IVF? And what are the halachic ramifications? So obviously this is a very complicated sugya um, and we're not going to give uh, psakh halacha. We're just going to kind of give an outline of the, the different issues that are involved. First of all, the question comes up is whether we should be dealing with this at all. Is there room? We started last week discussing the mitzvah of the uh, Doctor, the to help uh, heal people that are sick. How far do we take that healing? Um, so we discussed last week. The mitzvah is it a mitzvah is it a chiyuv, or is it a naverah to do cosmetic surgery? And we came with the different opinions and the different cases. The same question could apply in our case. On the one hand, the couple are married. They're not necessarily sick. Um, on the other hand, you could call it a sickness. Rachel when she couldn't give birth, he says So clearly this is a distress for the, for the couple. And if we can help them, why not? So regarding that issue, uh, that's issue number one. Let's assume that there's a mitzvah. Um, or that one is permitted to go through such um, procedures. Then the next question is, what is the status of the parents? Specifically in the case of artificial insemination, what is the status of the father? In the case of IVF, what is the status of the father and the mother? Um, The next question would be, is there an issue of, uh, so the status of parenthood, is this considered the father, is this considered the mother, regarding many things, regarding have they fulfilled the mitzvah of proravu? Has the father fulfilled the mitzvah of proravu? Is this a child that is chayavim kibbut avayim? When it comes to Yerusha, should the child uh, receive Yerusha? Uh, is the mother, when the husband dies, does she have to do Yibo en chelitza? Or do we assume that this is her child from this husband, and she is Patur. So there are many halachic ramifications regarding this then. If he, the father is a kohen, uh, can the son, is the son now considered a ben kohen, that he can do it, right? So these are all ramifications of that. Then we get into more complicated cases. What happens if the uh, sperm was taken from someone other than the husband? Right and placed in a married woman. Is that a problem of mamzeirut? Right, and is it connected to how we relate to the status of the parenthood? I could it be that on the one hand, Mr. Jones is not the husband, but he is considered halakhically the father, but on the other hand, the child is not considered a mamzeir. Or do we tie the two together? Whoever is the donor of the sperm is also the father, and if he's not the husband, then he'll be the father who, and yeah, who's committed adultery and the child will be a, a mamzeh. Or maybe he didn't commit adultery, but the child might still be a mamzeh. So many, many ramifications of this. Um, okay, let's, so let's begin. To begin, the question would be, um, are we permitted or is there a chiyof, to do such a, to do such procedures? So we saw last week that Tzitzel Yeze brings down the sharit Sedek that basically said that if you're born with such an issue and you're not, you not, haven't got pain and it's not considered a sickness, then there's no headache But if you turn the page, Ulam, mm-hmm. I'm on page 86, the mm-hmm. Rav says it's, completely permitted to do such a, a, a procedure, אבל יש לדעתי השלכות לחידושו, זה בנוגר לניתוחים פלסטיים שממצאים קטרופים עצר הרבה בני אדם So he says, regarding cosmetic surgery, I'm not in favor, but regarding, regarding uh, artificial insemination, he was lenient says regarding cosmetic surgery, and I'm not going to go back to what we discussed last week, but he was basically on the more Machmir opinion, and he's going back to the argument that if this Hashem created us, we can't play with the image. However, in terms of procreation, the Tzitz was... Uh, was lenient and he says it 's not a problem so the tsiliaze makes a distinction between cosmetic surgery and artificial insemination we 'll see that although Rav Waldenberg was maker regarding artificial insemination he makes a distinction most posthum don 't he makes a distinction between RVF and artificial insemination okay so we are got to come back to uh, we 're going to come back to uh, the tliaze but is there such a macaw? Do we see that procreation um, other than the classic natural means is um, permitted? Uh Aragava. Rava created a person, not exactly a person, a golem, what we call golem. a golem. He sent him in front of Rav So Rabbi Zaira started talking to him, and the golem, a golem can't speak. So you see from here, what happened? He said, oh, you're obviously created by my friend Rava, and basically go back to your dust, and he turned him into dust. Rab Chanan and Rab Shaya every erev Shabbos they would learn some Sefi yitzira, a type of book, They would basically create from their learning. Um, they would create a third-born calf, which was considered the most, uh, the best, most choicest of uh, of meat. So you see that it seems that you can deal with procreation in, uh, let's call it, uh, the, not the uh, conventional means. And the Me'iri says like this. Any type of actions through demons is considered witchcraft. But if something is done in a natural way, I'm going to call it scientific or through khogmat ha Kabbalah, afilo even if they could create creatures without going through the usual way of procreation as is known in the scientific book that it's possible reshaim lasot one can do such a thing for tv and not be khala he says, this is not kishov, it's not witchcraft, it's not darka amori, and it is permissible. So, we definitely have found that one can uh, deal with procreation, but now comes the question, how far does this go? For example, the, the, the question is not now just of IVF and artificial insemination, we now have something called PGD, pre-implantation, Genetic diagnosis, that basically once they've taken the, the egg and the semen and put it in a, in, in a test, you call it, they can then examine if there are certain um, parts of the DNA that are carrying a disease, and they can basically separate them out. So that might, one would think, okay, that's, that's great, but how far can you take this? Is it just separating disease or now can I, maybe I could ask for it. A, a baby, baby or a a ba- first of all, I want a boy, not a girl or a mm-hmm. girl, not a boy who's got blue eyes and an IQ of 140. Mm-hmm. Now, we haven't, I don't know if they figured out the, the IQ and the, and the blue eye, but they definitely are, are, could get very close to that. And the question is, um, engineering babies, is that also included in this header? How Far do we take this? Um, and it's, it's, it's a big china because they are getting there. Another question that has just come up lately is that let's say one woman they take the egg, but the part of the egg isn't good. The I think it's called the mitochondria, which basically is the uh, feeds uh, certain parts, but it's not the major DNA of the of the of what the what forms the baby, but it does have a. But uh, an older woman, let's say the mitochondria isn't good, but the actual egg is good. So So now they are able to take mitochondria from a a second woman, right? So now you've you've got an egg from woman one, you've got the mitochondria from woman two, you've got, uh, they're using a surrogate mother, right, from uh, uh, woman number three, and they take the sperm from uh, and do it all in IVF. How does that work regarding uh, such a din, right? So how far would we take the, this halakha of, um, of the doctor being able to help such a couple? Okay, so let's start off with the, the topic is artificial insemination and RVF, in vitro fertilization in halakha. Oh, in, in, in vitro fertilization uh, like where they take in the semen and the egg out of the, yeah. and they do it in a lab. Yeah. What is the status of that, um, and the halachic ramifications? So let us begin with uh, a question of, of uh, paternity in the and whether you can fulfill the mitzvah of pruravu. So there's a gemara in Chagiga that yudaled, amulbet, Ben zoma. They ask Ben zoma a woman who became pregnant a virgin who became pregnant can she marry a coin gadol? now we know that one of the obligate one of the criteria to marry a coin gadol is she has to be a virgin so the question is how she a virgin if she became pregnant so says the gemara well there are two possibilities perhaps she did actually have relations with a man but the man was able somehow not to break the um, not to break the um, the what's it called, Punish. the the, the yeah. haman, right? Like Shmuel, or do we say no? The Shmuel lo'shichah. That's very unlikely that someone will be able to impregnate a woman without breaking the haman But Amar who the Shmuel lo'shichah. So the Gemara ben says no. We're not. That's kind of impossible. But Shema ba'ambati Ibra, perhaps she fell pregnant in the bathhouse. That means that perhaps a male went into the bath, had an ejaculation. There's now semen in the water. then a woman came in afterwards, and the, the semen basically entered her uh, you know, through the water, whatever, in the same bath, and somehow that's how she became pregnant. So the Gemara at least views such, uh, uh, such, uh, such a possibility. Um, and now the question is like this. So if it's, uh, that's already the, the case of if we call artificial insemination, which is the first case we see already in the Gemara, the question is how do we relate to it? So look at the chelkat <laughs> Machoke. The chelkat Machoke Chalk- Chalk- is one of the two great commentators on the Shulchan Aruch Eben and he brings the following question. I have a doubt. Our case, that is mentioned in the Gemara and Chagiga, a woman became pregnant in the bath. I, she didn't have relations with a man but the semen somehow entered her body. Question number one. The Donor of the semen? Has he fulfilled the mitzvah of Pruravu? Right? Vimikri Secondly, is this child considered his son? Is he considered the father? Has the son got be of Is there an obligation that the, the father has to take care of the child? Does the son Yoreshin? Right? Does he inherit him? Uh, does the woman Chalitza and Yibum? Or do do we consider that the woman's had a child from this this man? All of these are questions. We found the question already in the Maharil, which was one of the Rishonim, who quotes the Svarim Chitzonim called Ben Sira. Ben Sira was uh, apparently the son of Yirmiyahu. He also wrote a book. It's not included in the Tanakh. The Sanhedrin felt it was not worthy of being included in the Tanakh, but it says over there that Ben Siraya b'Noshal Yirmiyahu Hanavi, he was the son of Yirmiyahu, Sherechatz ba'Ambati, that Yirmiyahu basically bathed in a in a uh, in a bath, and the semen in. From, from this okay. he's questioning first of all he takes it literally that there is a possibility of artificial insemination whether the Gemara understood it literally or whether the Gemara is creating a case that we would be able to deal with artificial insemination 2000 years later I'm not sure but the point is is that Clearly, there is such a thing that they're dealing with, what we would call artificial insemination. And the Chalkek has got a question. Is the, the donor of the sperm over here considered the father regarding all of these questions? Regarding the mitzvah pluribu and regarding all the chayyubim of the son to the father and the father to the son. Yeah, but wait a minute.
1: fertilization yes. doesn't go back
0: to the days of Yo meow. But we're trying to see a precedent if in this case it's, it's very similar in terms of its artificial insemination i.e. the semen came into the woman's body without an act of intimacy. Right? So if the Paschim were dealing with that case then we can extrapolate from that case to our case because they seem to be very similar we might be able to argue that they're different but in the meantime that's what we're trying to figure out are the two cases similar and if they are similar whatever the halacha would be regarding the case of falling pregnant in the bath might apply also to the sugars of artificial insemination that's what we're trying to uh, we're trying to work out Is there a connection, a correlation between these these cases or not? The Chilkat Mechokek brings this question. And the Lukutai Maharil, basically, it's inside, but he basically says this um, story. So so basically, it does sound, at least according to the Maharil, that the donor of the sperm is considered the father. Now, it's not in the books. But I'll bring you the quoting of the Beit Shmuel. Now the Beit Shmuel is the other commentator. Him and the Chelkat Mechol on Eben And he brings the same question, but he brings a proof. And again, our question is, The donor of the sperm, but there was no intimacy. Is he still considered the father because of genetics or not? Says the Beit Shmuel. The Yefla Avi Raya. I can bring a proof. I mean, Eben Ezer... Uh, Siman Aleph which is all about the halachot of period Barivya Mima she kata'a va'abach hevi this is written by Tosfat Rabbeinu parents question written by Tosfat uh, uh, truva written by Tosfat Rabbeinu parents brought by the Bach in Siman Kuf Tzalihei. what was the question basically the Tosfat Rabbeinu Peretz was asked a woman when she is a nida can she lie on her husband's sheets what was the concern? The concern is, is that perhaps there will be semen on the sheets of her husband, and then she would, uh, it would somehow enter her, and she would fall pregnant, and the child would be a Ben-Nida. The child would be coming from a, a, a relationship that took place when she was a Nida. And then the question continued, and what if it's another man? Is she allowed to sleep on the sheets of a of visitor? Right? And he says as follows Isham <laughs> Musheret a woman must be careful Tishkav <laughs> al She should not lie on, on a, someone else's sheets other than her husband pen <laughs> because we are concerned for some type of artificial insemination. <laughs> now what's the problem? Interesting he says What was the problem, according to Tosvot Rabbeinu Peretz? That this child, who doesn't know who his father is, is going to marry a girl, and it turns out that that girl is the daughter of the same uh, sperm donor, right? And therefore it will be a problem of a brother marrying a sister. What do we see from this case of Tosmat Rabbeinu Parents says the Beit Shmuel, you clearly see that genetically, genetic connection is enough to be considered father. And if it's a father, then the father in this case would have fulfilled the mitzvah of Puravu. The son is obligated in all of the halakhot of, of honoring a father. When the father dies, the son will inherit and that is a proof of the Beit Shmuel. So, to summarize, the Chalkad Mechokek is not sure. Artificial insemination of, in the bathhouse, and I'm extrapolating from the bathhouse to clear artificial insemination that we do in the, you know, in, with modern day uh, science. If we can draw a parallel, according to the chalkad Mechokek, he's not sure what the status of parenthood is regarding the father. According to the Beit Shmuel, it's clear the father is, the donor of the sperm is considered. The father, i.e. we base paternity on, on genetics and not on the act of intimacy. That's what it comes out. The Taz is not so uh, certain that the Beit Shmuel's proof is a good proof. The Taz says, uh, and it's not in the book, so that's why we are, I'll say it outside, but basically the Taz says two arguments. He says, number one, Perhaps it's lechumra and not Lakula I what Toswat Rabbeinu parents were saying is we don't want this to happen because maybe he will marry his sister Aye, the mm-hmm. child will marry his sister. maybe lechumra we have to worry that there is uh, it is considered the donor's son, but Lakula maybe not I thought of in terms of Yerusha in terms of uh, Yibum and things other things maybe not in terms of the mitzvah purvu maybe not secondly he says. Over here, in the case, uh, very difficult. The father didn't even do anything. Completely active, uh, completely passive. In terms of the woman came and sat on, the, uh, <coughs> sat on the bed and then came, he says, how exactly can the father fulfill the mitzvah of Puravu? Even if you say that perhaps they genetically they're connected and there is parenthood, but maybe he hasn't fulfilled the mitzvah of Puravu. So that's the second distinction. Maybe the person is the father in terms of halachot, of Yerusha or maybe even Yippon. But in terms of the mitzvah approval, maybe he hasn't done anything, he hasn't fulfilled the mitzvah. So you're saying the Taz would say with artificial insemination, again, I'm taking it one step further, that he wouldn't think that that is not sufficient
1: for doing the mitzvah of approval. No.
0: That's where, that's where the Minchat Yitzchak says, even the Taz, even the Taz, would say that here is the distinction between the story of the bathhouse and artificial insemination. And the difference is as follows. The story of the bathhouse, the donor, would, you could say, is completely passive. He you know, might not even know about it. He's not trying to do the mitzvah. His, his intention is not there. As opposed to artificial insemination, the father, clearly the couple, they are trying to fall pregnant. He's doing an action. right. His intention over there is to uh, let his wife fall pregnant. Wait a minute. How does the woman...
1: Why she's she, as a niddah, acquire the sperm of the man through water? How, how does she?
0: How could she, she fall pregnant? Nidder? So first of all, a woman, a woman is a nidda, Okay, yeah. as long as she hasn't gone to the mikvah, she's a niddah. But yeah. biologically, she could very well be at a time of the month where she's fertile. Mm-hmm. Remember the the. One hour before she goes to the mikvah, she's still considered as a woman who's a nida. Yeah. But it could be that that's the time that she's ovulating. That means that if she went into the bathhouse an hour before, at the mikvah, she went into the bathhouse to get ready for the mikvah, And that's when the, the, the sperm came in. There's no reason why you know, she shouldn't be able to fall pregnant, even though she's a niddah. Yeah. Okay, so, so it could very well be that that's the case that we're talking about. But here's a distinction that the Poskim make. The distinction that the Minchat Yitzhak and others make. That even the Taz, there might have been Machmir regarding Pruravu in the case of the Ambati because the husband didn't have intention, he didn't know about it. In the case of artificial insemination, clearly there is intention and uh, and there is an action and etc. etc. And therefore he holds that there is a clear a kium of the mitzvah of Pru Uravu. Now, basically, what are we discussing? What are we trying to build our assumptions on? We're trying to build our assumptions on a psak of the Tosafot Rabbeinu Peretz and a case in the Gemara, um, and a midrash of Ben Sirah, which is not in the Gemara in Bavli or in the Yerushalmi. The question is, do any of these have complete halachic uh, wherewithal to to decipher halakha regarding this issue. And that's what the Tzitzeliezer says. Gadal ben Sirah, source number nine, page ninety-one. This agadata of Ben Sira First of all, we don't know if it's true or not. He, he agrees that many poskim have actually mentioned it, starting with the Maril. Labo, you cannot base a halacha based on some agadic uh, uh, um, story that we not sure is even true. He gives us a general rule. anything that's not Written in the Babli, Yerushalmi, and the Midrash. A person is not obligated to believe it. And from there, So you want to pasken halakha. First of all, you don't have to believe it. Now, not only do you want to believe it, you want to start paskening Halacha. By the way, there are two midrashim um, that are considered in the consensus. They'd also seem to dispute it the story of of rachel and and leah and dina how was dina born so there are two uh, explanations or two midrashim one midrash brought down by by, by uh, rashi is that it was meant to be a boy and uh, and because of Tfilot, hashem changed the the um, the fetus from being a boy to being a girl Another Midrash actually says that Rachel was pregnant with Dina and Leah was pregnant with Yosef. And because of the tvi'lot, Hashem swapped and took the baby from from the uterus of Leah, Yosef, and put it in the uterus of of, uh, Rachel and, and vice versa. Now, if you go with that Midrash, that opens an entire other subya that we, we haven't mentioned it, and that is the status of the maternity of the mother, who is the mother in the case of surrogacy, right? Up until now, mm-hmm. we've just been dealing, who is the father? Is he God the den of the father? In the case of surrogacy, where here you have one woman giving the egg and the other woman carrying the child, who is considered the mother. So the, the Midrashim, are, are, it's not so clear, uh, most poskim seem to go with the genetics, i.e., you go with the. Uh, you go it's, with a little, the it's a little too complicated for me. It's, it's complicated for most poskim. <laughs> most poskim have said, I've heard Rabosha Weiss, who's uh, said explicitly that some of these sugyot um, are very difficult to actually find real precedents in halacha. And really, the job of the posek is is kind of to to almost have the whole picture of Torah, and based on his understanding in general of Torah, to decide what would be the status over here. Um, because to try and work it out from a one source or another is is very very difficult. So, if I understand Rav correctly, I think that's what you are saying. That basically you need, you almost need to have a. a uh, almost a das Torah in the sense that if you know all of Torah you might kind of sense What is the correct answer regarding this issue, but it's very very complicated um, so we're going to leave surrogacy uh, for the moment and Come back to the mimchat Yitzchak and the mimchat Yitzchak makes this distinction that I mentioned between uh, between uh, between artificial insemination and the story of the bathhouse uh, insemination. Has a person fulfilled the mitzvah prurvu? Has a father who's the, the the sperm donor? This is already a question that we've seen was raised by the Chalkat <laughs> Machokek. The Achronim have made a distinction between the story that the Taz brought in the Beit Shmuel regarding Yirmiyahu in the bathhouse. In our case, because in our case, one could argue, even the Taz would agree. Why? This didn't happen in a kind of a passive way. The husband, great efforts, the couple went to great efforts to try and this get to the stage of artificial insemination, and therefore, the argument of the Taz that the husband didn't do anything here, he clearly did something, and therefore says Yitzchak, he thinks even the Taz will agree that in our scenario the father has fulfilled the mitzvah puravu, and therefore it comes out that according to the majority of poskim, when I say the majority of poskim, Rabovati Yosef, Rashwam Shlomo or Ravosna, we assume number one the father is uh, fulfilled the mitzvah of pruribu, and the status of parenthood is complete. That means that the child from such a uh, artificial sem, uh, insemination, and according to most poskim, also RBF, would still be considered the son of a person. Which means that if the father is a kohen, the child can duchen. Uh, which means that the child will inherit, the child is obligated in Kibbut aim, the mother is not, not obligated in gibu Mochalitza, etc. Et One exception is Rav Moshe Feinstein. Rav Moshe Feinstein has an interesting scenario, and Rav Moshe Feinstein was dealing with it from another question altogether. And that is, what happens if a person other than the husband donates the sperm? Is it considered gilo arayas? Is the child considered a mamzeh? Now, it's very difficult to say that there was an actual act of gilo arayot, of intimacy which is prohibited. There was no, there was, you know, just an insertion of a syringe or something like that. So difficult to decide that there's intimacy, even to the mahmiri. However, the satmerov held that the child is still a mamzeh. And that's based on a principle that, uh, big discussion that in order to create mamzerot do I need an act of prohibited uh, intimacy right? where here there wasn't or is it enough to say that the donor or the, the semen is coming from someone other than the woman's husband and that is the word mamzerot according to the Ibn Ezra comes from the word Amzar. I mean, this is foreign to this to to this uh, to, to the woman is foreign to this semen because it's not her husband. In which case, says the Satmarov, the child is a mamza. Even if we don't say that the mother, the the, the donor and the mother committed Gilo Arayot, one would still consider the child to be a mamza. Rav Moshe Feinstein argued completely. He said the definition of mamzerut is based on an act of uh, uh, prohibited relations, such as adultery. Since there wasn't an act of adultery, therefore there is no mamzerut. This was a huge machloket in the, the rabbinic world for decades. Rav, uh, Rav Moshe Feinstein was uh, was uh, challenged by. Uh, by rabbis on the right, that uh, how could he have given such a psaq, is mar, Marbe Mamzeirim the Israel. but Rav Moshe Feinstein stuck to his guns, he held that Mamzerut cannot be created without an act of, a prohibited act of um, of Gilua riot of some sort, of the sort that is problematic that would create Mamzerut. There are proofs for and against. I won't go into them. One of the arguments against Rav, Rav, Rav Moshe Feinstein is: What is it for? Mamza marries a Mamza Mary marries a giyort. Is that mutar? Yes, it's mutar. You mean to
1: say that Mamza can be established by the sperm uh,
0: of another, other than the husband?
1: Yeah.
0: According to the Satmarov. The Satma, uh, uh, Rav Yol Teiterbun, that's how he held. Rav Moshe Feinstein argued. Rav Moshe Feinstein says if there wasn't an act, a prohibited act, you can't create Mamzeirud. So that was Machlok. Rav Taitabun versus Rav Moshe Feinstein, the majority of the world uh, and Poskin basically accepted the opinion of Rav Moshe Feinstein that there is no problem of mamzeirut One of the ramifications between this argument is, let's say a woman, a couple, come to the doctor, they cannot fall pregnant. So, and, and the problem is the semen, i.e. the problem is the husband, not the wife. So they're looking for a donor. Should, they, should the donor be Jewish or non-Jewish? Mm-hmm. And it could be dependent on this discussion, because if you hold, like Rav Taitobom, the Sakmarav, it is definitely one should take a non-Jew, because if a non-Jew Has relations with a married woman it's not necessarily going to create a mamza it doesn't create a mamza if a jewish man who's not the woman's husband has relations with this woman it is a mamza so based on that there's a strong argument to say well if you've got a choice rather go with a non-jewish donor than a jewish donor to be machmir for the opinion of rab tajelman again according to rab moshe Feinstein, there wouldn't be a distinction because right? anyway, there's not going to be a creation of mamzerut, So that's going to be the question between Rav Moshe Feinted, if you are worried about the opinion of Rav Teitelbum, then it would make more sense to go for a non-Jewish donor than a Jewish donor. And that seems to be uh, an argument between different uh, opinions and different Rabbeim will give different advice to a couple that are, are, are dealing with this procedure. Uh, but as I said, mainstream uh, most posthum have accepted the opinion of Rav Moshe Feinstein definitely believed it that the child is not a mamza now Rav Moshe Feinstein takes it one step further he says like this what if there is a mamza and he married a, a girl uh, Halakha is that uh, even if he married a georite the child of that union is going to be a mamza the Mamzayus continues says Rav Moshe Feinstein that if the child uh, came into being through artificial insemination, the child will not be a mamza Here, what he said, he said basically, since it was done through artificial insemination, the child, the, the, the mamserus, does, not, does continue, not continue, and basically, the child will not be a mamza Is that saying that according to Rav Shlomo Zah, according him, he's arguing with what we said? That there's no connection between fatherhood, parent, paternity, and the child. So, in the case of the Mamza it would be great, right? But in terms of the mitzvah of Puravu, you haven't fulfilled the obligation. The mitzvah of, of Kibbutz HaVeim, etc., etc., you wouldn't have fulfilled the obligation. It sounds like, according to Rabbi Moshe Feinstein, on the one hand, for Mamzeh, this is a good, good su- suggestion. But in terms of everyone else, this becomes... Uh, Problematic, as I said, according to most poskim from the Zman we assume the child is the son of the donor of the, the sperm, and therefore he is the son. He is obli. If he's a koin, he's a coin, etc., uh, etc. Et Another question that comes up with this whole procedure that some of the poskim said we shouldn't we shouldn't uh, get involved is the problem of hotzat zera batala, basically spilling of seed. Now that is Ahalach uh, in Shulchan Aruch, Asur, page 93, Asur lo'tzi shich patzera lebatala, vavonze chamur mikol ha'vairot she batora. It's prohibited to spill seed for no reason, vavonze, uh, and this sin is very, uh, is one of the worst transgressions of the Torah. L'fichach lo ye adam daf mi bifnim, v'zore bi b'chutz. Therefore, putting a person should not basically, literally, Thresh inside and winner outside, i.e., spill his seed uh, out, of a, out of a woman, right? Where she, a woman cannot fall pregnant. And that is the halakha brought down in. in um, so, based on this, one could argue how does one get artificial insemination? Stage number one is basically the, the, um, the husband will have to do. Actually. According
1: to the you should find the yeah. there is no Mamzeroth possible unless there
0: is actual physical contact. Correct, mm-hmm. correct. Yeah. But here we're not talking about the problem of mamzerut. Here we're talking about the problem of the Isra of Hotsat Zeril Yeah. So even if you say, okay, okay, there's no problem of mamzerut, But now the question is like this. Do we tell a couple that are struggling to have uh, children naturally? Can we say to them halachically, do artificial insemination? Where the process will be stage number one, the husband will have to uh, extricate semen and that might be considered which we saw was a prohibition. So here, there were certain poskim that were more machmir Rab for example, was Mahmi regarding IVF, but not artificial insemination. Um, as opposed to the Shutvar Malkiel, he says as follows: Perhaps it's also prohi- prohibited. Because in stage one, he basically empties the semen into, let's call it, a test tube. At that point, there's no possibility of this semen uh, um, Basically turning into an embryo and turning into a child He then has to rely on the doctor to do the next stage which is take that semen and put it in the uh, implanted in the woman Where do we find that one can rely on such a case? You cannot make a brocha where it's dependent on someone else. That's a famous trope of the Rashba. Why we don't say a bracha on tzedakah? Because the guy might not want to accept the money. So he says it's the same thing over here. Uh, but, and definitely in this case, it seems to be that there is a chumrah. It's a strange thing to bring up though, because you don't make a bracha either on relations. It's the same thing. No, but he's just pointing like, out that, that. that the, 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 the fact is that you haven't fulfilled the mitzvah. Right? Because it's dependent on someone else, if someone else messes up, practically you won't fulfill the mitzvah. Right, so that's what he's saying also However, Rav Moshe Feinstein again argues. Rav Moshe Feinstein says the Yesh If the doctor would basically implant the semen into the woman's uh, uterus or fallopian tubes or whatever it will be, not right? even from one time The first of all he says like this a couple can have relations it's just that in the end the, the zera is, is uh, in the final stage he basically uh, the semen is put in a test tube and not in the wife right? he says there's no Israel of Zerah why the kind to, the whole purpose is putting the semen in the test tube is in order for his wife to become pregnant. This is not ala, So it? that's not Lovat How can you say, says Rabbi Feinstein, that's the complete opposite of it being full-wasted. He's not wasting it. He's Dafka trying to do it in a way that some something will come, something useful will come and Hashem his wife will fall pregnant. So Rabbi Moshe Feinstein basically says that there is no problem of in terms of artificial insemination. Now, to summarize, Sefer Pruah says as follows. Yeh shomrim sh'asur l'v'al l'hotsi z'aro amarnat li'ish'temesh b'o l'azram l'achotit b'yish'to. Some say there is such a prohibition because of ho'zaat z'erah l'v'atala. Nechamat isur ash'chatat z'erah. And then Nimukehen. their reasoning is, isur ho'zaat z'erah hu isur atzmi, v'lo talui bekavonat adalah that the prohibition is not dependent on what the guy is thinking. The guy could have all the intentions, the good intentions, but the prohibition is a prohibition independent of the person's intention. Mm -hmm. And so it's not gonna help that afterwards the doctor's gonna use it. Perhaps the woman will not become pregnant and then retroactively it will turn out to be Furthermore, mm-hmm. that you know the, the semen could be spilled, wasted, used in different people, etc. All types of uh, um, laboratory mistakes, uh, inadvertent or advertent, that we are concerned about. however, the majority of Poskim, says safe from Machon there is no problem of um, if the purpose is to impregnate his wife and their reasoning is His intention is to do a mitzvah and that's, that's what we saw Rav Moshe finds him furthermore and therefore it's not considered wasting semen. And furthermore, he says, If you have the right surveillance, they will ensure that all of these laboratory concerns uh, will not happen. Uh, and by the way, he, he, in the footnote it says that basically the Rab who's the head of Machon Pu'a, right? Um they he actually spoke to Rab Voldenberg after he came out by making a distinction between artificial insemination where he was accepted. He didn't think there was a problem of hotzaatzara and he wasn't worried about the the concerns because basically it goes straight into the, the woman's body. There's almost no less of a problem of however and all of the semen goes into the body. As opposed to when it comes to in vitro fertilization they get rid of many of the embryos i mean, there could be a few eggs that are and they so he was more concerned there number one the process of getting rid of some of it number two the lab technology allow for a lot more mistakes to happen inadvertently or advertently and he was concerned about that and robert and says that when he spoke to Waldenberg, woldenberg Waldenberg agreed that now that um a, the success rate is, uh, of these artificial insemination and IVF has shot up and now that it's become common practice um, and furthermore it's uh, the halachic surveillance of it that there shouldn't be these bot traps is a lot more manageable he agreed that one has to relook at the subya does that mean that he will change his mind not but it's it's something Anyway, as I said, the majority of Poskim are lenient. But as we saw, there are distinctions between AVF and Hotzat uh, and, and classic artificial insemination. The main distinction being that regarding artificial insemination, then all of the semen, in the end of the day, is pretty much goes into the woman. So there's not considered zero levatala. As opposed to AVF. It's not like that. They take a few or whatever it is. They get rid of some of the embryos, um, and that's a question in and of itself. Is that permitted? What is the status of that? Is that got a status of abortion or, or, or all types of things, um, and then the the maternity of the mother once the egg is removed from the the woman and then reimplanted, it's not so clear. So according to Rob Waldenberg, he was not. Happy with RBF, he was okay with artificial insemination. As I said, most posting today are makel. We view the par- parental status, according to Rav Shama Zaman Arbach and Rav Ovadia, as the father is, the donor of the sperm is the father, the mother of the egg is the mother. Um, surrogacy, it could be more complicated. There's more of a discussion about it. And, and because of that, all of the halachic ramifications that will come from that. Basically, the story of the Beit Shmuel who said, B'no Dava. Um One of the interesting uh, discussions that, that kind of come out from here is now, uh, I mentioned at the beginning of the, the shir, things are getting even more complicated in terms of they are taking the egg from one woman, and they're mixing it with another part of the egg that was faulty from a second woman. And now the question is, who is the mother, right? Because now the the genetics is actually coming from two separate women. Uh, and the surrogacy could be from a third woman. That could be even more complicated. And there are many questions, also ethical questions. Should we be doing these things? PGD, how far should we take all of these um, procedures just because we can do them should we be doing them Um, but all the poskim seem to agree that a couple that cannot fall pregnant definitely um, can do artificial insemination and even RBF RBF, it is okay but one should make sure that there is clear halachic surveillance that the procedure is done uh, correctly and also one should uh, one should um, consult with the rabbi what is the best way to do it that it's not considered zera levatala? Even if we are makeal, there are still ways to do it in a way that is less problematic. Right? Um and though the, in, in Israel generally though they are on those those things, um in in it's less so. I mean, is generally the the organization that is helping the couple I'm not halakhic at all. They don't know anything about these halakhic considerations, and therefore they don't really care about these things. In Israel, uh, many more doctors and clinics are very cognizant of these uh, issues. Another question would be, when you want to reimplant implant the, uh, the embryo, is it a problem that the woman is now a niddah, right? Or is it not? So that comes back to what Rabbi Moshe Feinstein saw in the Truba of the uh, Toswat Rabbeinu Peretz. a strong argument to say it makes no difference. It's not a Ben Nida. As long as it wasn't an actual physical intimacy act, the child, even if one is replanting the embryo while the woman is a Nida, it wouldn't be a problem. However, the Alposkin that said, if she can go to the mikvah first, she should. Um, and all of these there are many many ramifications that in Israel they are very cognizant of these uh, Shikunim These criteria and they try and if the, the couple want to and are sensitive to these issues They come they, they, they try and and help the couple Go through these and obviously the most the expert in this topic the clinic that helps the most people is Mahon Pua under the leadership of Rab He really has done an amazing job uh, making this whole, all these procedures accessible to the religious world because of the research that they've done, going to the poskim and getting the hetarium and understanding what needs to be done in the best possible manner in order to do it al halakha. So, Bezrat HaShem, Kol Am Yisrael, should not have to deal with these issues, but the truth is, is that 8 million babies are born worldwide through IVF uh, and many many more women are finding it harder to fall pregnant uh, as you know in our generation not at least because women are getting married later on in life and uh, maybe it's also because of what we're eating etc but women are finding it hard to fall pregnant so these things are very relevant and these heterium are very critical uh, uh, for today's generation Get it outside from Mizrahi office. We'll give you one. <laughs> Courtesy of uh, World Mizrahi. World <laughs> Mizrahi. <laughs> yes. And it's called... Surba Merabana. Surba Let me switch them.